Welcome to Insight Aviation, helping you to take a look inside the world of captains, aerospace professionals, air traffic controllers, and much more. Learn how they got started, where they are now, and their advice for aspiring aviators. This series is brought to you by Wayman Aviation Academy. Learn to fly with a safe, reliable, professional academy. Located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale in sunny South Florida, USA. Enjoy the training and cosmopolitan life with Wayman's 42 aircraft, six airline partners, and two bases to help you be the captain. Be the captain. Be the captain. Be the captain. Welcome to Wayman Aviation Academy. The thing that sets Wayman apart from other flight schools here, basically the location, fleet size, being able to provide high quality training. They have the resources, they have the fleet, they had everything I was looking for to start my career as a pilot. Wayman is a very airline-oriented operation. The Academy offers complete ab initio flight training programs and courses. Get to know each student, because each student is different. Wayman Aviation Academy operates a large fleet of more than 40 airplanes and full motion flight simulators. Here, maintenance is priority number one, and we take pride in what we do. Realizing your dreams at Wayman is within reach. I choose Wayman. I choose Wayman. I choose Wayman. Wayman Aviation Academy, developing the skills and attitudes for safe, successful, and professional pilots around the world. Changing lives through aviation. Hello and welcome to the Insight Aviation Podcast brought to you by Wayman Aviation Academy. We're a flight academy here in South Florida that's offering uh, visas for international students and full financing for our U.S. citizens and residents. Today we have the great honor of welcoming Captain Domingo Alfaro, who has spent his career at American Airlines, chief pilot and now I believe flight director. Uh, welcome, Captain Alfaro. Welcome and thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. So let's really kind of just jump into it. I know that you recently had this this move from chief pilot to director of, of flight. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, it just happened uh, this past June. So congratulations, congratulations. So uh, being a you know kind of relatively lay person, I think we all have a pretty good idea of what a chief pilot does. But we'll dive into that. How is the role for you changing now into director of flight? Um, well, it's uh, quite similar as uh, um, <clears throat> so I'm the director of flight here in Miami. Uh, Miami is the second largest uh, pilot base for American Airlines. So right now, roughly, we have uh, somewhere between 14,500 to five to 15,000 pilots. Wow. Uh, our largest pilot base is Dallas. They uh, have 3,500. And here in Miami, uh, myself, and we have three uh, chief pilots, and we've been entrusted with a care of 2,500, which makes us the second largest uh, pilot base in uh, in Miami. And... Um, Oh, I'm sorry, you went through that really quick. There's 14,000 pilots at the Miami base? No, 14,000 pilots total. Okay. We have 2,500 in Miami. Yes. 2,500 no. in Miami. That's still a lot of pilots, my gosh. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and we're hiring. We're hiring. We're hiring because uh, a lot of us are leaving. So yeah. it's a great thing. Great. So uh, 2,500 pilots here in, in Miami uh, amongst the, the three chief pilots. Um, mm -hmm. So, again, how is the flight director role different from chief pilot? Um, it's just a broader view of uh, um, uh, our uh, roles here in Miami uh, as uh, for the uh, other three chief pilots is, is very simple. We're here to take care of our pilots, help them uh, take care of their families, and we'll take care of American Airlines uh, collectively together, and we'll do it in that order. So any obstacles, any um, um, hindrance to uh, themselves and their uh, personal life, and if we're allowed into their private life, that uh, we can help with, we'll certainly help mitigate with that. We have the uh, uh, the tools here. As a director, the, your um, your capacity has to increase. You have a broader view of, of of the operation, and not only the operation just strictly here in Miami, but any uh, uh, touch point that any of our pilots uh, fly to. We fly to 43 international destinations out of here on Miami, which is uh, of all the American Airlines bases, uh, the one with the largest international footprint. So any issues abroad, any uh, um, 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 operational issues or, uh, or pilot issues that happens at any of those destinations, then there's where, there's where my capacities had to uh, increase for that. So how is the, the role, this, the chief pilot role shared amongst the three chiefs? Do they have different responsibilities or just so there's always a chief available? 
Uh, well, we always have a chief available because uh, this hub is almost, this hub is a 21, 22 hour uh, hub operation. <clears throat> so our, um, what we call deep south flights, uh, um, Rio de Janeiro, uh, Buenos Aires, Santiago, Chile, they usually leave somewhere between uh, 11 to um, almost one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, at two to three o'clock in the morning, the Europe flights are checking in for their flights. So if there's any issues with that, then we'll be brought into the uh, into the mix to try to mitigate that. And then our first arrivals, the deep south arrivals, the the uh, return flights back are uh, arriving around four thirty, uh, five o'clock. Sometimes, depending on the weather, they might even beat customs opening. Yeah. So we'll have to sit a little bit on the airplane. So uh, there's a little bit of a window between one to to four o'clock where uh, things are usually calm and then things can happen after that, so. So it's basically, a, it's a round-the-clock operation. So 24 hours in a day, it's kind of divided that way, like every chief, there's a chief on duty around the clock. Yeah, so the OH, uh, uh, chief on duty, um, all of us are uh, Airbus captains, all the current chiefs, so, um, but, you know, if we have an issue with uh, a crew member on the triple uh, seven here in Miami, we have triple seven, seven eighty sevens, and then we have both narrow body airplanes based here, the seven thirty seven NG, and now we have the Max. The Max is uh, uh, solely based here in Miami. Um, I think they picked the best pilots to fly fly those airplanes, so that's why they're here in Miami. I'm a little biased, but I think we have the best. And then the uh, all the uh, the three uh, uh, versions of the uh, Airbus we fly the 319, 320, and 321. And now we're receiving the uh, 321 Neos, uh, and we're using those uh, using that to uh, go a little further uh, south in South America to uh, Lima and places like that. Um, so if well, it sounds yeah. like you've got a full deck here. You've got the, just about everything uh, yes, flying in Airbus International. I'm actually going to be on one of those deep south flights you talked about, going to Sao Paulo at the beginning of June. It'll be our, our first live seminar in like, well, in over two years. In over two oh, years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, so we'll be doing yeah. one in Sao Paulo June 5th. Never been to Brazil. Uh, oh. Really looking forward to it. And of course, flying American Airlines on the way down there, one of those long overnights. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, um, you know, any time that you fly on us, you're helping a lot of a lot of uh, f- uh, families here in South Florida. So on behalf of all of us, thank you for, for choosing us. Well, that's a great place to start. So American Airlines has such a deep history here in South Florida, you know, mm-hmm. going back to, uh, oh my gosh, his name escapes me right now. I actually helped to write a chapter about him in the GMA book, but there was uh, a uh, a director back in the, I think it was the 80s, right, with the taking over of Eastern's routes and odds that really grew American Airlines in South America. And mm-hmm. gosh, you know, so, uh, Miami has such a strong history, American, Eastern, Pan Am, it's, it's a kind of this continuous uh, kind of path. And so <laughs> if you ask anybody, and aviation in South Florida is huge, one in four jobs in Miami-Dade tied to aviation, and just about everyone knows an American Airlines captain. Right, yeah. uh, I think actually I might have heard you say that at one of your presentations. Everyone knows American Airlines captain. That's correct. Yeah, you go to uh, any kind of gathering, any kind of uh, either family or group uh, gathering, and just ask, does anybody know, you know, somebody that works for American Airlines or somebody that works for American Airlines, and you'll always see a couple of uh, hands uh, uh, raised. Uh, our hub's been in. Uh, we started this hub. In 1930, I'm sorry, 32 years ago is when we started the hub, and they started with 14 flights. 14. Uh, this summer, 14 total flights, yes. And uh, the uh, this summer, between us and regional, it'll uh, be close to 400 flights a day. Oh, my gosh. That's excellent. That's excellent. And so you reminded me of something that I love to do at the beginning, and I kind of missed it. We've got our audience here in the Zoom with us, and we've got some people live on the Facebook stream as well. So I'd love to hear in the in the chat. Please let us know where you're watching us from. If you're here in Miami, if you're in Dallas, if you're in Peru, if you're in Europe, let us know where you're from. And, of course, feel free to put in questions. There's a Q&A button right here at the bottom of the screen. And same for anyone watching on Facebook. Put in some questions because we'd love to get some questions for Captain Alfaro towards the end and kind of see what's on your mind. I know for a fact that we have at least one or two American Island pilots uh, in the chat with us. and I'm sure they've got good questions for the boss, right? Um, So what I was reaching for over there was uh, because my memory... my memory missed me. So years ago, we wrote this GMA, Greater Miami Aviation Association History of, and there's a whole chapter dedicated to Peter DeLora, 
who mm -hmm. uh, I believe was uh, the director that really grew the base down here in South Florida, you know, mm -hmm. to the point where it was, you know, the Heat played in the American Airlines Arena until recently, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, it's so ingrained here in South Florida. Now, you are from South Florida, right? Yes, so I was uh, I was born in Cuba, and uh, like um, um, many of us, uh, were uh, fortunate and blessed enough to um, come here to Miami and make Miami our home. Um, I uh, started. I learned how to fly in Tamiami, at, uh, and started at uh, um, a little commuter uh, airline loading bags when I was 17 years old because I wanted to be a pilot. Uh, didn't know how I was going to do it. Uh, it's yeah. always been a uh, financial kind of. Uh, uh, strain is always, mm. you know, um, back then, and you know, I like to refer back in the uh, 1870s when I was mm. learning to fly. Um, you know, you could get like a, a 152 for anywhere between eight and uh, eleven dollars an hour, and a 172 for less than twenty dollars an hour. And you and you hear that, and you say that now to you know all all the students mm. and all the ones that are in aviation, they go, "Oh my God, that is so that." Man, that, that that's so cheap back then. I go, mm -hmm. yeah, but realize I was uh, loading bags at the uh, Miami International Airport, and I was making a dollar ninety-seven an hour. Yeah. So to get one hour to get one hour of flying, it's always it's always been just kind of like that. So to get one hour of flying, I had to work uh, you know a whole day and then some. So it's always been it's always been a struggle. Uh, this profession uh, does weed out a lot of people, but I can I can I can assure you that if you stick with it, you follow the plans that your school has or your instructor has developed for you, and you stick with it, that it will pay off. And 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 uh, and hard work. You got you know nothing's going to be given to you, and there's no shortcuts in this career, and uh, especially make it this level. But if you follow you follow the plan that's been designated by your school or your instructor, you will make it, and and uh, and it'll be. Uh, worth it, I guarantee you. You're absolutely right. There's no shortcuts in aviation. And I know for a fact there's a lot of baggage handlers, ramp agents, cabin crew that are trying to make that move into the cockpit. I I can think of at least a half a dozen uh, that are flying with us. And they're, you know, at every little uh, school here in South Florida, you know, that are working during the week, saving up. Uh, now, American Airlines has their own American Airlines union. And I think they just recently started doing loans for flight training themselves. And uh, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because there is this huge pilot shortage. And last time we talked, so a few months ago, I know you had talked about how they were stepping up the pilot hiring from like 300, no, from 700 to 1,000. And at last I heard just last week from 1,000 to 2,000 hires. Is, is that right for this year? Yes. Yeah. So uh, this year we're in, in, uh, in a place to, uh, I think, right around 2,100 or better. Wow. We started last year with a goal of, uh, and it, and the goal started, and I think it was like in September, October timeframe, they wanted to uh, start hiring. And they go, well, well, we'll probably maybe try to hire 300. They ended up with about 700. <laughs> and then yeah. we we're at one time, we were hiring uh, 90 pilots a week. Wow. That's 360 pilots a month. That is, in one month, that's a larger number that we have sometimes in, in years put yeah. together. And <laughs> Now, now, and we kept that going all the way through um, <clears throat> towards the middle of March. And then what, what was happening was we were creating a, a bottleneck for training uh, because, about that. Yeah. yeah, so because we still have, you know, we, we still have pilots that are changing equipment because we're hiring so many pilots. We have a lot of first officers upgrading to captains, narrow body captains upgrading to wide body captains. And uh, so the, the uh, and then plus the ones that are staying in the same airplane every year, we have our continued qualification training. And then now we just put in 360 new into the pipeline every month. So what wow. they've done is backed it off. So now we're and they saved down, which is still a remarkable amount. We're doing 45 a week. 45 a week. It's still a lot. Yeah. My gosh. Yes. From, so, and 90, I can't imagine. Your flight training department must have been uh, really struggling with that. Now, we, we, we say it every time, you know, now's the best time I've ever seen to become a pilot. But now if you're in the industry, you know, really the big goal, the mountaintop is getting to uh, a carrier like American Airlines, right? Like when, when somebody gets to American Airlines, like that's it. There's nowhere else to go. You, you're a lifer now, right? Yes. Yes. So, what is that process like? Let's say you know you're already experienced. Maybe you've been flying the 135 world or the regionals. Uh, what's it like 
you know, are, are you involved in the in the in the interviews? Or is it entirely an HR process at this point? Um, so let me let me start from the end process and, and work our way back. So sure. if we get hired now with American Airlines. Well, we're telling our uh, new hires that in four years from today that you get hired, expect to be a narrow body captain. Okay. We're also telling them that if you get hired now, expect to be a wide body captain in 10 years. I just set up uh, before then, my generation, 25 to 30 years before you can hold the wide body captain. So that's how much has moved, for, moved forward. So with that being in place, what and I love and I love your intro about be the captain. That's what we're looking for. Ninety six years of history, of American Airlines. I can uh, probably say that we've never hired a first officer. You may be a first officer because of seniority and because you just showed up here. But the qualities of be a captain, the leadership, the qualities, the professionalism. That's what we're looking for. So, because you're going to be a uh, narrow body captain in four years. Our priority now is uh, to try to find people with PIC time hmm. um, because it's going to happen so quickly. Because of that, our hiring, and I'm proud to say, is not an HR total run interview process and hiring. We still have pilots. We have line pilots, uh, men and women that volunteer in their, in their days off to go to Dallas to fly from here, South Florida, and throughout the country to be part of that interview process to maintain that level, uh, that high standard of, uh, of, uh, of professionalism that we have and we've uh, cultivated here as our culture here at American Airlines. And to maintain that, we have a hiring pool um, that um, even though we draw large amount of numbers every month, it still keeps, the standard has not come down. The level and quality of products that we have uh, that we're receiving, and we'll have uh, 22 tomorrow, new hires, the, the quality is never, it hasn't gone down at all. And I'm very proud to say that, so. All right. So, I mean, at, at your level, you know, clearly anyone who's applying at American Airlines has thousands of hours, has the experience, knows how to fly, right? So so what are you looking for in a candidate? Like what, what makes, who makes the cut to be an American Airlines captain, first officer? Um, well, the uh, cut is the uh, um, uh, there. There is an online test that that you do, and then uh, the a HR is the uh, life experience, the uh, um, the quality of your flying. Um, you know, I, I try to tell when I meet uh, young men and women that are being piloted. I go take everything you can from every hour that you fly, every every bit of experience that you can learn as much every every license, every, your private pilot license has uh, uh, as much va value to you as your first ATP or, or your first 747. Gather as much information, just just be a sponge and gather as much as you can from, from every rating and every license that you take every time you sit next to an instructor because that is building the qualities that we're looking for. So when you're sitting uh, across from an interviewer, another pilot, and an, and an HR person, the you know t the stories are always uh, scenario based. Tell us of tell us of a time that you were uh, flying and this happened, that you know that you've had that experience. You have the confidence, and that mm -hmm. that 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 experience taught you because every time we fly, we learn something. Um, yep. You know, I'm I'm proud to say that um, I've I've never had the perfect flight, but that's never going to stop me from trying. And that's yeah. all, that should always be our goal, and we always learn from it. So be able to communicate that to in a in a interview process. Uh, be positive, uh, eye contact. Uh, you know, uh, know and have the and the confidence that every everything that has been taught to you, every process that you've been uh, gone, that you've gone through in this career and this profession that has led you to this moment, and you'll be successful in an interview. Well, that's interesting. All right, so it's it's mostly about that life experience that brought you to be sitting in that chair, right? Mm -hmm. uh, something I hear often from uh, from hiring captains also is they're they're looking for someone they can spend a three or four day trip with, right? Yes. Someone that uh, that they can rely on, they can work with, right? The the soft skills side, because clearly your technical skills are there if you meet yes. the requirements to to be sitting in the chair. Mm -hmm. uh, that's so interesting, and that's come up several times. Now. Uh, 
you hear about a lot of these cases, especially the last two years, uh, with uh, a lot of rambunctious uh, uh, passengers and things like that. But I have to say, I don't think really have heard anything uh, regarding American Airlines. It's been pretty steady through this time. And uh, and even though there was the massive cutbacks over the last two years of the pandemic, it came back full force, right? It came back full force. Well, when do you think, I think last time we spoke, you were said you were already in the 90 percentile, right? As far as where you were in 2019 is, are, are we there? Are we beyond even where we were in 2019? Um, actually we're, uh, this summer will be higher specifically in, in the Miami hub. We'll be actually higher with more flights and uh, more capacity than we did in 2019. Um, during, during the pandemic, American airlines was very aggressive. Uh, um, we had more flights. Uh, during the pandemic, one out of every three passengers that flew during the time frame flew an American Airlines uh, airplane. Uh, we've increased the uh, gating here. We got more gates here in Miami. Uh, we got uh, uh, more flights. Well, this summer we'll have more flights than we did uh, in the summer of 2019 to more destinations. Excellent. Now you gave me an, an interesting little fact. We we scheduled this because you said that after May, good luck, right? Because you're so busy between May and uh, in September, right? That's the bulk of it. Uh, explain to me kind of like those ebbs and flows of the airline. Okay. So and and, mo- and most of the airlines are the same. So between Memorial Day and Labor Day is 107 days, and those 107 days typically, and uh, we always try to be at the higher end most airlines will make somewhere between 70 and 80% of their profits. Wow. Notice I didn't say revenue. I said profits. Okay. That's a big difference. And the other 20, the other 20% uh, percent and change is uh, during, you know, the holiday. And then mm-hmm. specifically here in Miami where other um, after the summer drawdown and, and a lot and a lot uh, other parts of the country and other hubs, what happens in Miami is we draw down after uh, Labor Day, but it doesn't last. It only lasts for a month, a month and a half, because guess what happens in the middle of October and November? Cruise ships, tourism. Oh, right. Everybody yeah. wants to snowbirds. Everybody wants to come down. So as other bases and other areas are drawing down from the summer schedule, we get a short reprieve, and then we're right back up. Not to the same level as, as uh, the summer, but very close to it. And then that last, that carries us through um, – uh, Christmas, and then depending where when Easter falls, it lasts about then. And you know how, how I mean, the best place to be in the world, January, February, right here, is down here in South Florida. Best time to fly mm-hmm. is January, February, and March, uh, because the weather, you know, the air is smoother and it's cooler and everything's a lot better. So that's when mm-hmm. uh, most of the people are, are passengers are trying to come down here. And that's when we're our flying is still at an elevated level, and then it drops down, and then again we start rocking and rolling again uh, on Memorial Day. So it doesn't really stop. Did you have any uh, any little spike for the F one last week where we had so many people in town? The executive uh, reports were jammed. Opelika yes. Airport was packed full of jets. Uh, we had uh, the impact that we had was. Uh, um, we've been uh, all spring. We've been breaking records. So the, the previous records for uh, uh, passenger uh, um, uh, employment and uh, deplaning here in Miami was the Super Bowl, the la- sure. the Super Bowl that we had in 2020. We have broken those records multiple times over uh, Christmas. It started in Christmas and into January, February, March. So we've broken that with no events. The impact that we had from the F1 was – um, the numbers were still the same because weekends we still we still f- see a lot of folks flying in and our so the business travel is not quite sure what it was before but so what we're seeing is it's they're starting to get out mm-hmm. the business travel but they're all, they're combining a little vacation trip with it sure well, before you know they would leave fly out Monday return Saturday uh, return Friday or Thursday afternoon, now they're turning a little vacation trip into it for the weekend. So mm-hmm. our weekend numbers are higher. And so that's been adding to it. What we saw, so no really big difference to the F1, you know, long, long way to tell you the story, but no big significant increase for the F1. It did, however, it didn't impact our hub here because of ATC. 
Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we couldn't even do instrument approaches yesterday because all the F1 executive traffic was flying out. So, uh, well, not yesterday, it was Monday. Monday yeah, in particular. Yeah. Yesterday, we were a little bit better. Um, but I imagine that specific to Miami, because it's such an international hub, probably all that pent-up, you know, in the U.S., we feel all this pent-up travel. Everybody wants to go on a cruise or, or come down to sunny South Florida. But I imagine everybody sitting in, in Chile and Peru and Brazil wants to come to Miami, too. Right? It seems like everybody has a house in Miami. They want to check in on things. They want to you know, do whatever they do here when they come to the U.S. Um, so I bet that's been a lot of international coming in to the U.S. Yeah. yeah what's what's all, another thing that makes this hub so unique is that it's uh, basically a, a, a dual purpose. Mm-hmm. From the north, people come here to Miami to vacation. Sure. From the south, they come up here because Miami is seen as a business center. It is. Yeah. Is Capital of South America. Here. <laughs> yes, exactly. The capital, Central South America. Yeah. yeah. So, so as as seen as the same city seen in two different lights, mm-hmm. um, and so that gives us a a, a great opportunity and uh, also um, a large commitment to try to be to both different groups because you know you you have to cater you're catering to somebody in a three bit uh, three piece uh, business suit with a briefcase and then also somebody with flip-flops because they're going straight to South Beach. So you have to be, you have to kind of cater to both. And I think we do a very well, a very good job with that. You know, Miami does do a very good job with that. American Airlines being kind of like the, uh, the airline of, uh, of Miami definitely does a great job of it, right? So let's kind of turn the conversation a little bit a bit uh, more towards you and, and kind of how you came to be. Um, here uh, working for American Airlines and I know that the, the everyone on the chat and on Facebook has questions feel free to keep typing them in we will get to your questions um, so you learn how to fly in Tamiami right mm-hmm. uh, you know we I've been having this conversation a lot specifically the last two weeks those first thousand hours are the hardest right mm-hmm. because the airlines really start looking at you seriously at 1500 hours now back then it was even more and I know I regularly remember people having to get to 2000 3000 hours before the airlines would look at them so I'm kind of curious about your first thousand hours like how did you get those um, well the um, so I learned how to fly and I got to the 200 you know I got my commercial multi instrument I roughly had about 211 uh, 215 hours nice, uh, nice. by then I had gotten my AMP and I was working um, in uh, the northwest corner of uh, Miami International Airport, back then fondly known as Corrosion Corner because it was all full of uh, DC-3s, DC-6-7s, Constellations, everything that belonged in a museum, it was parked over there because we were flying mangoes, baby chickens, and and, <laughs> and, and passengers. So I had the uh, 200 and, uh, and so odd hours. And the uh, uh, gentleman that I was working for was an Eastern Airlines captain that owned a couple DC-3s and the Havilland Herons. And he goes, uh, if you're interested in flying, I'll put you I'll put you in the right seat of DC-3 because, hey, you know what? You're added value to me. You fly it, and if you break it, you can fix it because you're, yeah. you're an EMP. So I got hired flying the DC-3 when I had uh, roughly about 211 hours. So you're a dual threat there, AMP and and a pilot. And you know they still do that. All the DC threes that fly out of Opalaka, every single one of those pilots is required to be an AMP. And there's really? still at least three or four DC threes flying to the Bahamas every day out of Opalaka. Every hour you fly, you work on it three hours on the ground. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. But you know what? Uh, what a great experience. Uh, uh, and uh, flew with. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, older pilots that uh, had tons of experience. Um, lots of uh, um, the you know we're all pilots, and you know the the great thing about this profession is we let the airlines compete. You know we we really don't compete pilot against pilot because we're always competing against ourselves to try to make ourselves better. So we're always always uh, open to impart knowledge, uh, open to share ideas and thoughts because. You know, if it make if it made me better, hopefully you can learn something from it, and it'll make you better. Or if you get of you this situation, uh, you know, uh, crosses your path, maybe you can remember what you know an old guy told you a long time ago, and it helped you mitigate it, and made and it made you better for it. So you know, that's one of the few professions where um, I think that it, it makes us special because we're we're always trying to make ourselves better, compete 
you know, no, nobody's going to give, you know, we're going to compete against ourselves and try to make ourselves better and then let the other external resources, you know, forces do that. Yeah. But we're always open to helping each other out. That's a great observation. I've always seen a lot of camaraderie among pilots, you know, sharing stories, all the organizations, uh, OBAP, the Organization for Black Aerospace Professionals, the Latino Pilots Association, LPA, the 99s, Female Pilots Association, Women in Aviation. There's a lot of this camaraderie, uh, sharing of stories and reaching down, reaching out and reaching down to, to people that are coming up the ranks. Right. Like if you're climbing up the ladder, it's good to reach back and help people up, uh, you know, to grow the aviation profession. And particularly in this moment where we need so many pilots. Um, So that first job in the DC-3, is that really where you put on the bulk of your time early on in your career? Yeah. So I stayed there and I got to uh, close to 4,000 hours flying uh, flying DC-3. And uh, you must know that bird really well. My gosh. I still remember. You know, it's always like that first airplane. You still remember, you know, it carried, you know, carried 25 gallons of oil. Uh, total <laughs> capacity was 29 gallons because you have four gallons of foam. It would burn one one gallon an hour, 800, you know. So, I mean, nice. cause that's a, that, was, that was your first love. I mean, that's, yeah. you always, you know, you always remember that. So. Yeah. I remember the guys at Oplaka saying, if it's not leaking, you don't, you're out of oil. You got to put that's more exactly right. all the time. Exactly yeah. Right. Next time you're at Oplaka, I'd love to introduce you to those guys. They still do fly them every single day. Oh, so, awesome. I would love to do that. Yeah. Yeah, 4,000 hours in the DC-3s. Uh, man, I bet a lot of people would love to do that right now. You know, now they give, they like raffle off DC-3 flights uh, and, and for the commemorative Air Force and stuff like that. People pay a lot of money to fly DC-3s now. 4,000 hours, a lot of experience. Um, yeah. So that's so important. So you got that job by working maintenance uh, over in that corner and just kind of making the connections. So I, I say this a lot to young pilots, right? nothing is handed to you, all right? You might have this certificate, that certificate, X, Y, Z. You gotta, you gotta, aviation's such a small network. You've gotta hang out at the FBOs, be friendly, be helpful, give your time, volunteer with the organizations. That's how you beat that person that might have the next job or be your next captain or chief or whatever it might be. So that's interesting the way you got those. So uh, from the DC-3s, you've got your 4,000 hours. Is it straight to airlines at that point? No, uh, and you know, uh, going back on what you're saying, you know, you have to, you have to create your network. You have to create um, a um, um, a network of friends and professionals and all that. Because mm. when I got hired with 214 hours, Eastern had just furloughed. Pan Am was uh, furloughing because it had just bur- merged with National Airlines. Mm. Uh, Braniff was having this issue. There was there was pilots here with five, six, ten thousand hours. That were yeah. dying to have that job that I had, wow, and stuff, and more qualified, a lot more qualified. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, you, you know, by no shortcuts, by you know, showing up, being present every day, doing everything that was asked asked of me. You know, change this tire, uh, uh, clean the hangar floor, change the light bulb. You know, mm-hmm. be present, do everything that's asked for you. Hard work. Uh, hard work will always, always pay, pay off. I mean, I, I can't say that enough. And if you, if you do everything that's asked of you, you you're going to see that when the time comes, then, you know, you, it's not a reward is that and now is your time. Mm-hmm. You know, everything happens at, at a certain season and you have to make sure that you have all the tools, of, you know, that have been given to you, that you have the tools and the preparation. So when it's your season, you are ready to uh to go there uh yeah, i prepared uh, when opportunity presents itself and i like what you say there about no job too small i heard a quote recently i wish i knew who to attribute it to but it was something along the lines of every job is too big for a small man and there's no job too big no job too small for a big man yeah and i love that i yeah. really want to kind of need to post that up in signs around the building <laughs> no absolutely and you know and uh um a lot of uh and, and, and you know sometimes like when you're going through the flight schools you know you start in a group and a group together flying and and you see you know one guy all of a sudden no nope, he, he got a job like, man i wonder man that would have been a great job for me to get or oh man this guy got a job flying a king or i'm still here you know you know 172 just getting you know flying around beating my you know beating myself up and this guy like that and we tend to label uh oh that guy's so lucky or this guy or man this guy lucked out and you know, and 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 a lot, and and some people that I know, and I was one of them. I started to resent that. I started to resent that that label of oh, this guy's so lucky because you yeah. know 
we had this this happen until I was uh, uh, talking to one of the you know one of these old BAP and, and stuff that we all belong to and stuff like that. Uh, this this gentleman brought brought it to my attention. He goes, look, um, he, the, the, he redefined the definition of luck to me, and it's talking it's referring back to that season and preparedness. He goes, you know, what the definition of, of luck is is where opportunity and and hard work cross, because if you didn't do the hard work, right. All every opportunity in the world will pass you by because you won't be able to take advantage of it. Yeah. So, but Absolutely. if you it takes a lot work, of hard work to get lucky. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It takes a lot of hard work to get lucky. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's so that's what we meet. So. So then, what was your next step after the DC threes? So after the DC threes, I ended up uh, flying down in uh, in Colombia down there for a uh, um, a. Um, um, Alas Chiricano, they, they were flying uh, this Israeli-made aircraft. It was called an Arava, and it was short field takeoff. And we were landing on sides of beaches and uh, um, gravel strips and all that, and got a lot of good experience down there. And then ended up uh, flying for uh, um, these. I was a DC nine captain for um, a charter company called Emerald Airlines. They flew uh, DC nine dash tens out of Lauderdale to uh, Nassau to the Bahamas and. Uh, uh, they were based out of Atlantic City for the for the casinos, and then after I got hired with uh, Piedmont Airlines in 1986. Excellent. All right. And is it that Piedmont is your path uh, up to American Airlines? Yes. So um, uh, three years after I was with Piedmont, I, there used to be a, a company out of uh, Pittsburgh. It was called Allegheny Airlines. They had just um, changed the name to US Air, and then they bought a company out in California called PSA, Pacific South Coast Airline, mm -hmm. and bought us and changed the name to US Airways and then bought a couple more and stuff. So so, so you've, man, you've been through all So first, there's so many things to unpack right there, right? So you are definitely an international pilot. The time spent in Colombia, time spent flying throughout the Bahamas. It makes so much sense because Miami is such an international base. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I saw a posting recently for an international chief pilot. I'm like, is that a special thing? I, I guess so because all the flights down here are international. Somebody was telling me that they loved uh, being based in Miami because they bid on all the international flights while mm -hmm. a lot of the American pilots, and he's, he's also Cuban actually, uh, mm -hmm. it's, uh, flying for Spirit right now, probably gonna end up in your pool sometime soon. Um, so he was saying that he loves bidding the South American flights because all the Americans that are from Ohio and, and Illinois, flights, they don't want to fly down to South America. So he gets his pick of the litter and gets to eat really well on a really over, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's really interesting. So, um, and that's kind of the big thing because there is so much competition domestically, right? We've got the low cost carriers and the regionals, of course, are supporting American Airlines. You've got three of your own wholly owned uh, mm -hmm. regionals. So really when I think of, of the mainland carriers like, like American Airlines, I do think of those international flights, those long haul flights. What's the longest flight coming out of Miami now? Uh, Tel Aviv is almost 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. That, I'm not even sure how that would happen. That's like equatorial. Like, how does that get over there? Uh, and uh, it does a random route across the uh, um, Atlantic. Um, they coast in around uh, uh, Portugal, just really? uh, okay. uh, north of the Azores. So they do a random route on the triple seven because they can go, uh, you know, three hundred sixteen minutes single engine, that kind of stuff. So with the engines that we have, so yeah, so that's our longest. So it's a four man crew mm -hmm. uh, because of the uh, flight time. Um, so that's our longest route here out of Miami now. Tel Aviv. I had no idea there was a direct Miami Tel Aviv, and that makes sense because there is a big Israeli population down here, right? Uh, yes. Especially down by the beach. That's and that's the interesting thing about Miami. There's so many pockets of people from everywhere. It's a very multicultural place, um, and I think really that is the a uh, big part of that is because of American Airlines and just how easy it is to get here, right? How easy it is to get here from just about any part of the world. Clearly, South America, Europe, and uh, and Israel. That's really interesting. Now, uh, in all your career, you've been flying now for so long. Do you have a favorite destination? Something that when it comes up, you like to bid on going to this particular place? Is, do you have a favorite? Um, I used to, but now my favorite is just flying. Yeah. <laughs> Be able to take off and uh, um, and doesn't even need to be a long flight anymore because um, you know, as a as a director and, or as sure. our 
chief pilots, we still have to maintain our currency. We still have to maintain our uh, three takeoffs and landings in 90 days. We still have to do our uh, biannual reviews, you know, and training. We still have to uh, contractually, we have to fly so many hours uh, a year. Granted, it's not that much, but just so I try to pick up uh, short flights with, uh, you know, uh, a one or two day with multiple. So I get a lot of practice of taking off and landings and just get get that reputation and, and, and you know, get back into the game game of, of flying. I mean, it's, and that's, and, and it's a word, wrong word of game, but. Um, yeah, the practice the, of it, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the good, the, the great thing about flying is whatever else you have, hmm. you, as pilots, we have to learn how to compartmentalize. We do it when we have a situation or emergency in the airplane where you have to, you know, either delegate tasks or prioritize tasks. Mm -hmm. And also in just like normal life that, you know, uh, yeah, I got the, you know, I got a plumbing issue at home, but you know, that I have to set that aside. I, I got to put it aside because I have to be a, a hundred percent focused on what I'm doing. So it helps you prioritize. It helps you uh, do the task ahead of what you have to do and kind of puts everything in the background. And that's, so what's my favorite, what's my favorite, uh, uh, destination, uh, you know, V1 at Miami international airport, you're <laughs> you going someplace. So nice. Uh, so you touched on something interesting that, that honestly hadn't occurred to me until just now, there must've been some point in your career where you are, uh, you know, you're, you're a hundred percent pilot. And then mm -hmm. this opportunity comes to go into management, right? Mm -hmm. Was that uh, a gradual thing? Did the opportunity just pop up? How did you come into being part of uh, operations versus just you know being the the line pilot? Um, by uh, circumstance, um, I was a uh, so at U.S. Airways we flew the uh, E one ninety the big brother of the 170, 175 that a lot of our regionals had. Um, I had a, uh, I had, it was a brand new airplane uh, to our fleet. So we didn't have the uh, pairing limitations uh, that we do. Like now we don't, we don't pair uh, two pilots together that either one of them has less than 75 hours, you know, together. So it was pairing limitation and it's a safety thing, but when it's a new airplane, everybody's got less than 75 hours. Sure. So I had a uh, brand, brand new FO just out of IOE and I had 35 hours and uh, had an FA inspector on board and we're going from Philadelphia to Boston. And what I found out later on was that the airplane while it was being de uh, delivered from Brazil had had a lightning strike. Oh. So short flight, you know, Philly to you know, bosses, you know, 50 some minutes in the air yeah. over uh, just on the other side of JFK, uh, outside of Providence, uh, we had um, uh, multiple bus faults, failures where we lost the, uh, we're losing the cabin, couldn't control the temperature, um, half brakes, spoilers, uh, half flaps, had multiple uh, situations. And so, um, this FAA guy that was in the, in the jump seat kind of liked the way that our crew coordination was, we, we let training kick in. Uh, we did all the stuff that we we're supposed to do. And, um, he was impressed how we handled the situation came and landed, made a soft landing. The, uh, our equipment followed us to the gate. It took him four days before the airplane would even take power. Um, wow. something was really wrong there. Of, uh, uh, to do that. And uh, so he wrote a nice letter to a training uh, fleet captain, and they were looking for uh, check airmen uh, to do IOEs, line check airmen, and he offered me the job to do that. And that, unbeknownst to me, sent me on this path to here. Um, you know, um, anything that you do in your career that can highlight you, whether you, you seek it or just kind of falls in your lap, like, hello, me, and so um, that highlight you, you know, and anything that you do above and beyond being a pilot, you know, check airman, uh, work, you know, work in a safety department, uh, even with us here, you know, volunteer to do union, uh, uh, with union positions, volunteer to do uh, community events. We were very involved with the community down here in South Florida. Mm -hmm. Anything that you do extra, you know, is going to highlight you. And it's also uh, uh, another piece that you, that you bring um, that can uh, elevate you to the next level um, so I started on that path in the training department. I thought I was just going to stay there because I really enjoyed training. I thought it was, uh, 
was uh, my passion, but I, uh, I found out later that my actual passion was helping people. And that's what led me right. to the office as so. That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, wow. So it was probably one of your worst flights led to one of your best opportunities. Yes. Right? That's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and you're right. You know, I've, you know, since I've met you, I've been very impressed because I can't think of a busier guy whose phone is always going off than, you know, American Airlines chief and director of flight operations. And yet you managed the time to go out and speak to Miami-Dade College, to speak to Florida Memorial. Both of those are our women partners and really happy to be supporting them and really are going out there and doing a lot of outreach. Uh, it's, it's very impressive. Is it, um, you know, that's on your own time, I imagine, right? That's just kind of spreading the spreading the word, spreading the gospel of aviation. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very impressive. Uh, and you're absolutely right about taking that extra step, right? So I always recommend to students that they join, you know, a good organization, a good pilot organization, whether it's the 99s or OPAP or LPA, whatever it might be. But don't just pay the $20 fee, volunteer, right? Mm -hmm. Go to a career fair, go to an open house. You know, uh, you might be the, the 100 hour private pilot that volunteered, but the guys going with you is, you know, an American Airlines captain, right? Or an envoy first officer. And then you get to know them and get to, get to know the ropes. Now you've got that contact, right? Because like I said, it's not enough to have the hours and certificates. Uh, you know, as much as we as the, you are hiring and everyone's hiring right now, it's important to have that contact, like somebody to kind of get that, you know, put your resume in now. Let me see if uh, I can send a letter of recommendation. So important, letter of recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, so that's great that you do as much outreach as you do. Absolutely. Uh, and American Airlines in general is such a generous company. It's a, a lot of uh, charities that they support, not just mm -hmm. in Miami, but really throughout the country, right? Yes. Um, yeah, so great support. We, we, you know, I, I think it's, it's trying to give back to, uh, you know, for us as pilots, to a profession has given us so much. Um, you know, uh, they're um, uh, one thing that we're doing now here. So, um, the uh, uh, Kogan um, accident back in 2006, I think it was 2007. Yeah. One, of the, one of the last pieces of that uh, of that ruling of that uh, accident was that uh, that all the airlines are required to develop what we call PLM, professionalism, leadership, and mentoring program. Um, the good captains have always been that. Sure. Good captains have always, and you know, there's a saying that you know somebody's been mentored always has a better a better line of sight, has a better vision of things going on than than the one than uh, than the one that's actually doing the mentoring because he's standing on shoulders of giants. So you have a better visibility. So we're having classes like this every every day here at our hub uh, for uh, uh, captains and uh, white body FOs. Any any pilot that sits in the left seat because. 60% um, of us will be retired within the next six years at American Airlines. So we're using this. Wow. Yeah, so this is, so we're getting, we're allowing this to be the opportunity for our leaders, our captains or soon to be captains to leave that, um, that, uh, um, you know, that footprint on the ones that are behind us to make sure that they are standing on shoulders of giants because you know, we have such great men and women here. They are the are those giants that they'll hopefully with this program, they're going to even be better pilots, better mentors, better leaders, better professionals than we are because they they have the hindsight and the legacy of us that are getting ready to walk out the door. Now that's going to be a challenge in of itself because when you when you think of a captain, it, it is leadership, right? You're leading a crew, you're leading cabin crew, passengers, all those things. Managing an organization of leaders, uh, leading an organization of leaders, is that more challenging, or is it everyone kind of gets it and 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 follows better when you're a good leader? What do you think about that? Um, it's uh, um, adapting to each to each leader. Um, we are uh, pilots tend to be leader type to be a, a uh, type A personalities. Guys that just, you know, just keep throwing, you know, men and women that just keep throwing stuff on my shoulder. I can handle it. Throw me in, coach. I got this and all that. And um, as their leader, you need to be aware of when you can say, okay, you know, that, that's you got enough. I need to, I need to step in and help you. You, you, you may need help with this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you need to, to be able to, and and uh, and I attribute that to like a two man crew. You know, okay. you have the pilot flying and he's wrestling the alligator, right? Mm -hmm. You can have an engine out and he's there 
Yeah. Sweating and he's, you know, his, his vision is like the inside of a straw, right? Hmm. And so, and the other guy, the pilot not flying or the pilot monitoring, which is what we call it, call it American Airlines, that's running checklists and all that stuff. He's not task loaded. So his field of vision, so he can see everything. Oh, you're missing this. You're missing this. You're missing that. Even though he's wrestling the alligator and doing a great job because of field of vision. So but sometimes by stepping back uh, as a leader, and getting a you know a, a wider a wider view of what's happening, um, you can maybe interject and help out another leader. That's interesting, and that's a, a soft skill that we teach here is that you've got to be able to look at the details, but not lose sight of the, you know not not lose the forest for the trees. Right, right? and uh, and it is something that people tend to go one way or the other. You know, they're either. You know, very generalist or very narrow, but I guess as a pilot, you really have to be both. Um, you know, we're getting to the end of our time, but we do have a couple of questions. I see yeah. on our Facebook, we have a couple of people that have asked questions. Um, this is more of a, on the technical side. Roy here wants to know about total uh, time and turbine time to be competitive or to expect a call for an interview at American Airlines. I mean, I know the minimums are published, but are you kind of taking anyone that applies to those minimums or are you looking for a threshold? Um, no, I mean, uh, the, the minimum is, is what it, it's a minimum. I, I do tell, uh, I, I tell, uh, uh, pilots that are interested two things, a couple of things that will highlight you. Uh, and we, uh, we've spoken a couple of them already, you know, if you're a check airman, if you're doing anything outside that will highlight you. Sure. Another thing is, uh, keep updating. Uh, why, every time that you update, you're, you're sending a signal to American airlines that, Hey, you know what? I'm. He's still out there, and he's still interested in being an American Air, uh, Airlines um, mm-hmm. uh, a pilot. And then, if you know a uh, an American Airlines pilot or someone that you've flown with that can write your letter of recommendation, those those three things are always will kind of keep you 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 at the top of the stack, so to speak, for lack of a better term. Um, okay. I think one of the minimums is like 450 hours or 500 hours turbine PIC time. So anytime after that, now you're 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 marketable. That's interesting. All right, so it's it's not so much the minimums; it's all the others, or like if you're applying for college, all the extracurriculars, as they say, right? Sure. Have you gone above sure. and beyond? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, uh, Roy also has a question about how do you recommend preparing for the pilot skills assessments. Now. Um, like we talked about a moment ago, I think if you're applying for American Airlines, you can fly at this point, right? You should be able to pass uh, the basics. But what I'm more curious about is that there are people out there that offer uh, the career coaching, you know, that will prep you for interviews and those kind of things. Uh, do you think that works? Is that a, a smart way to go? I, I think so because it just um, it gives you a, um, a heightened awareness of what, what they're looking for and then mm-hmm. kind of coach you up. I know that um, uh, at US Airways, I, I did uh, interviews for a short time because we did, uh, we used to use Czech Airman, which I was at the time, to do the technical part of the, uh, of the, uh, of the interview. Um, and you could, as an interviewer, you could definitely tell who has, and it's just, a, it's just another way of preparing. So it's just like when somebody shows up to a check ride, somebody shows up to an oral, somebody shows up to an interview, you know who's prepared and who's not prepared. Yeah. And that usually one of those coaching things is just another it's another resource that you have available to you of, of, of being prepared. Absolutely. You don't want to be on the not prepared list. You want to be on the very prepared list, right? It never, works, prepared. Never works out, yeah, it never works out well when you're on the not prepared list, yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, being as much outreach as you do, and as many, you've probably mentored countless pilots, you know, at, from the beginning and middle and, and pretty far along in their careers. Um, what advice would you give to your very junior, um, just got their commercial or just about to get their commercial pilot? What advice would you give to that kind of aviator? Um, so, you have your licenses, but you need you need the experience. Um, you know, uh, find someone that has that's slightly above you, or uh, a mentor, or the school that you just finished getting your ratings because they've they've been through this road many times before, so they can guide you and whatever and, and the path that uh, that uh, you seek. Because you know, um, not all roads lead to the same place. I mean, we know there's different opportunities. Uh, to get to where you you want to be, so reach out to the ones before you, the ones that have, have you know 
or maybe at fifteen hundred hours, or just got, you know, just just got to uh, an envoy or a Piedmont or a PSA airlines and ask them, you know, how how did you get here, and and learn from them, um, because they'll, they'll first of all they're going to tell you is what like we're pilots, right? You you come in from a check ride, and you goes, hey, so tell me how, how I went, and we're going to tell them what everything that we did wrong. I was off ten degrees off this heading. I did this. I was down 50 feet. And I thought, no, hey, you passed the check ride. We always, you know, so he's, that person is going to tell you every mistake that they made to get to the 1500 hours. So learn from that. Try not to make the same ones and, uh, and, and, and follow their guidance. So let's do three levels of this, right? So we've got the 250 hour guy. So you've got 1500 hour Mr. CFI, right? He just, he just finally, he celebrated, just got 1500 hours. The world's his oyster now. Ooh. What do you do? How do you choose? It seems like everyone wants that guy or girl mm -hmm. yeah um well and it's, and it's a and it's a, a great place to be because um you know now you now you can go to you know the regionals mm -hmm. um when i got hired the, the, the biggest thing i've seen from our generation to the generation now is um when we got hired we changed our lives to match the airline that rolled the dice and said, you know what, I'm going to pick you Domingo. Cause I think you're the, uh, you know, you'll be a great fit here for X, Y, Z airline. And back then as part of your interview, they put you in a simulator. All of us, as part of our interview, we would go in the sim and then you walk into the sim on an airplane you never flown before, then even seen before. And they gave you this piece of paper to go, they want to do this, enter the hole and come back and land. I go, okay, where's, you know, where's, where's anything, you know, and to do that, we don't do that anymore because like you said, Eddie, the expectation is you got to this level, you know how to fly the way that the training schools are now, the way that all the uh, uh, automation and technology to get the pilots prepared to, to, to do that now manifests itself because you don't go in the sim to get as part of your interview. Because the expectation is that have you been have you gone through a Wayman, you know how to fly. You have the the the, the not only the basic uh, principles, but you have the advanced principles of aviation, and you know how to fly. So now everything else is what what comes into place. To help. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So then that that third level, you've got someone who's been uh, flying for a while, like they're at the low cost carriers or the regionals and they're ready to make that step to the to the main line, right? Mm -hmm. um, that I feel like that's, you know, talk about a pyramid. You're getting to the top of the pyramid there, right? How does somebody, uh, what should somebody be thinking about when they're making that step, where to apply and where to go and mm -hmm. take that final step? Um, well, it, it depends on what stage of life you're in. Like I said, now there's so many opportunities that you can pick the airline and I hope it's American, but that uh, you you pick the one that works best for your life, for your for your for your family, for your family's life, for your for your life. Where you know if if you want to uh, if if you want to live in Denver, then you probably go get hired by United because hmm. you know they have a base there. You know if you, if you want to live in uh, Phoenix, then you know American because we have a base there. You know right. or. You can almost you want to live in Seattle. Well, it's going to probably be Alaska. So now you can all because they're all hiring. They're all looking for qualified uh, folks. So now you are you're the one that's choosing to a certain extent on who you want to apply for, who you want to uh, try to to get on with. I can tell you here personally, we've had uh, in our new hire classes, we've had pilots leaving United, pilots leaving Southwest. Um, I was leaving, you know, uh, the other tier, you know, uh, frontier and spirit because, Hey, I, I live here and I'm, you know, got out higher with this airline. I don't want to commute anymore. My, my whole family's here. My life is going to be here. So I'm going to, I'm going to get the airline that best matches me as opposed to how it used to be before right. I got hired with Piedmont airline and uh, I got based in Roanoke, Virginia. I didn't even even couldn't even find it in a map, much less spell it and stuff. And that was my that was my first crew base. So that's interesting. Wow, that is such a big change just in the last you know five ten years. It's really it's really interesting and really exciting for everyone coming up. Uh, yeah. I 
Thank you so much for giving us an hour of your very busy afternoon. Um, any last thoughts of how people could reach out to American Airlines, learn more? I imagine American Airlines website, right? And you've got a great cadet program going on, and we hope to be part of that cadet program one day. Um, what's a great way to reach out? Um, so pretty much everything's online. So uh, with the uh, cadet program, also the uh, credit union, um, uh, AA credit union is also um, you don't just, you can join. It just not have to be an American Airlines. You can you know anyone can join the, that credit union. Really, wow. it will allow uh, help you with uh, financing because now they're approving for uh, f- uh, flying mm-hmm. and helping you pay for the flying. So uh, everything's on uh, uh, website. Uh, I know that uh, Wayman is a, is a great partner in, in advancing the uh, the aviation. The, we live in a ma- we live in I think in in the in the uh, very magical places. It's, it's the uh, birthplace, I think, of aviation. It's a center of aviation here. And anything that I can do, and I know you're on board with that, to uh, promote it, to make it better than it is, then uh, we're always available for it and, and we'll definitely support it and be on board with it. So I, I thank you for the opportunity to talk to everyone and, and enjoy it and look forward to doing it again. Thank you so much, Captain Alfaro. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And those of you that listen to the podcast, uh, make sure to like and subscribe. Follow us on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is you like, at Wayman Aviation on all those platforms. Thank you so much, Captain Alfaro. And thank you much, everyone, for listening this afternoon. Uh, Have a great flight and be the captain. Thank you. This series is brought to you by Wayman Aviation Academy. Learn to fly with a safe, reliable, professional academy located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale in sunny South Florida, USA. Enjoy the training and cosmopolitan life with Wayman's 42 aircraft, six airline partners, and two bases to help you be the captain.